0: for joining us. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And together we are Two Sober Chicks. That's right. Thanks for joining us on our podcast on whatever platform you're joining us on. Um, And if you want to send us any questions, you can do so uh, or any good comments at twosoberchicks at gmail.com. That's the number twosoberchicks at gmail.com. And as Julie said in the last podcast, we're just two chicks who are sharing our, uh, our thoughts on recovery. Uh, we don't speak for AA or any organization. Um, this is a labor of love. We provide it free of charge. There are no ads in these podcasts. Um, yeah. And we don't ask for any donations. We just do it because we love it. So we hope you love to listen to it and stick around. Ask it basket. Sounds good. All right so this was one that i talked about in the last podcast because you started talking about your husband and relationships and i thought this one might need a little bit more time so i thought we'd do a whole podcast around um relationships in recovery because we both have experience you know past and present (laughs) Mm -hmm. so this one was a, a question that came up uh it's i have a partner that supports my recovery but doesn't understand what it takes to work a spiritual program. I feel like we're drifting and being pulled in two different directions. Um, besides talking to my sponsor, what are some other tools that have helped people who may be in the same situation?
1: Well, first of all, they don't have to understand shit. They really don't. If they are like compassionate and they want to understand, that's awesome. But quite often there is a lot of resistance and anger when all of a sudden your partner gets sober and they're spending all this time not focusing on you. creates a lot of jealousy and misunderstanding. And all we can do is be patient, um, have boundaries where we need to have them, uh, and just keep going. Because the worst thing that can happen is that you stop working your program and then whatever you put in front of your recovery, uh, you will lose. It's just always the way it goes. You'll lose your life. You'll, you lose your marriage. You'll lose your friendship. Like we are better because we're in recovery. I love how you started. They don't have to understand understand shit. shit.
0: They don't. (laughs) That's great. You know what that made me think of Julie? It made me think of the, um, St. Francis, uh, prayer.
1: Mm -hmm. It's better
0: to be understood, better to understand than to be understood. And that is our job as alcoholics in recovery, right? Is to learn um, that we don't need the other person to understand us. It's our job to understand them. Um, And, and I struggled with that when I was first new, it's like, I wanted them, the other person to get me, to understand me, to support me, you know, I'm doing this great thing. I'm getting, you know, sober. Why are you not in line? Um, And what I think happens naturally is people either grow together or they grow apart um, or you accept fully the person that you're with, whether you're married or in a long-term relationship, or if you're not in a long-term relationship, you develop a new set of ideals of what you want going forward to be in a good, healthy relationship. Ideals that you probably didn't have when you were in your addiction, Because for me, when I was in my addiction, I didn't have any ideals. It was like, you want to sleep with me? That that must mean you love me. Let's get together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here's my U-Haul. Let's move in. Um, And those things have definitely changed.
1: And oftentimes, our behavior changes other people's behavior. Like behaviors that stem from love often have amazing transformative powers So you're more compassionate, you're more understanding, you're more, um, servicing is a bad word, but you're more in service to another person, you're kinder, you're gentler. That often creates a change in the other person. Um, And don't forget, they put up with a lot of shit with us in our addiction. So if it's gonna take them a little while to be on board with our new lifestyle or our new principles, they kind of have every right to do that. But the reality is some marriages don't make it. Mine didn't, my first marriage, um, because my ex-husband was not interested in living a simple, clean life. And you can't be in a relationship where one person's doing all the work. The other person has to be willing to sacrifice, compromise, however you want to phrase it. Mm. And sometimes that just doesn't work. So unfortunately, sometimes getting sober means your whole life changes. But I have yet to meet one person in recovery over the last 10 years that has said that what happened as a result of them getting sober didn't create a better life for themselves. Mm -hmm. And not in a selfish way, but it's that whole, that went away and then all of this other stuff came in and it was very painful at many times, but they would not change it for the world because they're living a sober life and everything sort of clicked into place to support it.
0: And sometimes that means relationships falling apart, Um, Mm -hmm. relationships getting stronger. Sometimes it means moving on to a new relationship. Sometimes it means moving on to learn to love yourself and be in relation with yourself as now a single person. Um, So that's also a process too. I had a similar experience as you where my, it's funny, the relationship that led me to recovery because my partner said, I think you have a problem with drinking. I think you might be an alcoholic. And I came to Alcoholics Anonymous for her for the wrong reason for someone else. Um, After I'd been around AA for a little bit, I still wasn't fully working the program of recovery. I was trying to do it my way. We were still having problems, but yet one of her issues was she didn't like my Friday night meeting because she was available Friday night and she wanted Friday night for us. But I had a home group where we only met twice a week and it was Fridays and Sundays. And I thought that was perfect for me to bookend a weekend with a Friday, Sunday meeting. And then I started to, you know, for the sake of the relationship, skip Friday night. Um, And then I started to skip Sunday night, you know, (laughs) because I was home with family. And like you said, what I put in front of my recovery, um, I lost. I lost that family. I lost that relationship. Because eventually things fell apart because I went right back to my old ways of thinking and my old ways of being and behaving. And I hadn't yet had that spiritual awakening uh, as a result of doing the 12 steps. Um, So what did that teach me? Uh, It taught me that um, I must put recovery first. And that's not being selfish and self-centered, which is what I thought in the beginning. I thought, well, that's a selfish way of putting myself first. I thought this was a selfless program. Um, but I had to change my thinking around that, meaning that I'm not putting myself first. I'm putting my recovery first. And I think there's a big difference. You know, I'm, I'm making sacrifices for recovery, for the good of recovery. And if I am um, doing things that I'm supposed to do in recovery, then eventually I am putting the needs of other people first, but not at the cost of my sobriety.
1: Yeah, we have to put our, our recovery first, because it makes us better people all around, including in our relationships. So it's kind of a selfish endeavor, but really the best thing you can do for your friends and your family and your job and all of the other relationships that that you have is to be a good, whole, functioning, well person Because we all have family members if we're sober or we can use ourselves when we were in our addiction. Like I have a family member. My cousin causes destruction everywhere she goes. It's a new crisis every week. And her inability to look at her own behavior and get treatment in whatever sense, therapy, books, I don't know, whatever it is, has caused harm emotionally and mentally to every single person in the family. So we don't do this alone ever. Nothing we do does not impact other people. And you either have enough love, in my opinion, for yourself as a person created by God to to steward yourself with integrity and honesty and responsibility and compassion and love, or you value other people that much more that you're willing to do the work, even if you're not willing to do it yourself that changes everything. It's like, change yourself, change the world is absolutely true. Cause think about like, uh, both of us have had issues with road rage. Who knows what impact we had on other people, scaring people, upsetting people. And then the, the tertiary, the person, that then goes to work and is like, so upset about what happened. They take it out on other people or they go home and they take it out on their kids. Mm-hmm. And then the kids take it out on their friends. Like everything we do has a ripple effect. Yes. It's not just about us, ever, it's not just about us. So we have to, that's a real important priority that I think we get as we get older, but it's, you gotta be so careful.
0: And we get uh, deeper into as we get deeper into our recovery. Um, and I don't mean just time. Like we talk a lot about that quality versus quantity um, mm-hmm. and time is important. I do value my, my elders and the people who have been here for a long time, but I also look at their program. Are they still working a program? Do they still have a sponsor? Um, so I, I was thinking about how things evolve as we go through the program um, and especially working with other people. And I've seen it happen in people who have different family Uh, makeups than I do Um, and I've watched this one lady when she first came to me it was all about her husband her husband her husband her husband she was constantly bringing to me her husband's issues and I kept reminding her I'm not your husband's sponsor I'm your sponsor what's your part let's look at your part because that's what we can focus on and then it was and I get it it was being hurt by another person's behavior Um, but they're doing this And, and then it was like okay well um, you were an alcoholic for how long before you got into recovery? So before you make any major decisions, can you give them that grace? Because um, it was mm-hmm. like, should I get divorced? Should I stay married? Can you give them that grace of time to, to see if through your changed behavior that they can heal? Because they're probably still carrying around some garbage from the past, but they don't yeah. have the tools that you have. They're not going to Al-Anon. They don't have a program of action, but you do. So let's focus on what you can do. Um, Another thing that uh, has been suggested is you can try uh, to suggest to a partner to a family member other tools that they have, they have Al-Anon to go to, they have therapy that they can go to, but you know what are you going to do if they don't pick up those tools, you can't control what another person does, and so this cool thing of this evolution that I've seen in just this one person's life. And I have many sponsees and I've seen, you know, changes in many people's lives, but this one sticks out. It was going from, you know, blaming the other person to then acknowledging, okay, they're a sick person too. That was an evolution stage. Mm -hmm. Praying for them, accepting that they have their issues. Um, Then uh, acknowledging and recognizing, oh, there they are again. That's the bad side of their behavior. I I see that. And now I'm not going to respond to it. Another evolution And now today, I see this person making a choice of saying something like, uh, I was judging their behavior. Now I'm stepping outside of myself and observing us from an an outside perspective and observing us as a couple and realizing, oh, this is me showing up again in judgment. And it was just like this whole mind-blowing evolution that I got to be a part of just because I sponsor people. Yeah. And then I can look at that and, and it changes my relationship. I, it, I brought it into my own relationship and my own practice, remembering like, oh, hey, wait a second. I'm judging her when I should be looking at my own behavior. How am I handling this situation that I think yeah. she's behaving badly in? It was a great uh, perspective.
1: I love that. Relationships are hard, man. It is so much. I was single basically for almost seven years, it is so easy to be spiritually evolved and zen <laughs> because you you're not dealing with anyone. Like relationships are designed to look at what your problems are and how to shift with them. And relationships go through really hard stages. And you you can either choose to hang in and work on your stuff, which is almost always childhood baggage, or you can leave and do it to someone else. So Sometimes the relationship you're in is just not tenable. You're not going to get there. That's fine. You do you. But like the beautiful gold comes through working the hard stuff.
0: I love what you just said there. Um, I think it was a book that I had, uh, Getting the Love You Want harville hendrix yes and it talks about that right it talks about therapy yeah that's great yeah, <laughs> working through things instead of just bailing because that's what i did things weren't working out you weren't behaving the way i wanted you to yeah i behaved not before i had another relationship lined up of course so you know i always
1: have the contingency plan right,
0: another character defect uh a cheater and a liar I remember the first time my sponsor said that I was a liar. I was so offended. And then I was given examples of what a liar is. I'm like, oh, yes, I was. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. Character
1: defects, like, that's always a hard part for me when I'm sponsoring someone and we get to the fifth, because mm-hmm. there's so many, like, do you just focus on, like, the seven deadly sins sloth, greed, envy, so on so forth, or... You know, do you just go over a list of emotions? Because always you just pare it down to fear. Like that's what we're doing in the process of the steps. But it's hard because I try and anticipate what the sponsee might have for their list of character defects. And there's just so many and you can Google it and everyone has different ones. And some of them are pared down and some of them aren't. But recently I came upon two new ones because I identified them in myself, which was self reliance and covetousness. So I was like, oh, there's two new ones to add to the list. But because of this program, I was excited because I'm like, oh, now that I've identified it, I see it all over the place and I can do my work around it. I like to be very specific. I don't do well with, well, this is fear manifesting as greed or sloth or envy or jealousy or pride or whatever else it is. I like specifics. So when I'm listening to a 4th I will write down what comes to me intuitively, but I don't offer it in the, to the person until we've discussed it a little bit. Cause I'd rather them come up with it and then me suggest, well, do you want to know what I, what I'm seeing here? And then I can suggest it. And, you know, my therapist will be like, now correct me if I'm wrong, which I love because that's a good, this is what I see, but tell me if this doesn't fit for you. Right. Yeah. But the list is endless.
0: It is. It's ever growing, isn't it? And not. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, as I I have had people say, um, oh, well, that just makes me feel shittier about myself, because now now I have this long list of character defects. That's ego. Um, Yeah. And welcome to life, don't we all?
1: You don't have to feel bad about yourself. You should be excited that you've actually identified the problem. It's like going into a pool that's leaking and you're so frustrated and upset. But when you find where the hole is, you're so excited because, you know, when you plug it, your pool's not going to leak anymore. Like that's how it should be approached. If you're beating yourself up, you're totally in pride and ego or uh, self-pity. Like don't go there. I know you want to because it's familiar and it feels good. But no need, no need.
0: And I, I remember one time I said to my sponsor, this is so hard, like this work and this self examination. And he said, look at the way that you were doing things. Are you trying to tell me that was easier? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh no, I guess it wasn't. I I thought it was easier because it was what I knew. Yeah. But if I take an honest look at it, no, it's not. It's horrible. (laughs) It's miserable. Um, You
1: have to be willing to unlearn your past behaviors you just have to there's no hope for you if you're not willing to do that there is another way it's not probably your way but thank god it's not your way because you wouldn't get here it's your best thinking got you here so let's just say you have a problem with your thinking and move on to something that's better for you
0: (laughs) that's right thoughts and feelings are what's wrong with you well that was a great question and i knew it would uh spark a good discussion. And that was just one question uh, from a newcomer. So if you are a newcomer, or if you have a question that maybe you've been here for a while, and you've been embarrassed to ask your sponsor or to ask in a room of fellow alcoholics, send them to us to the number two sober at gmail.com you'll reach julie and i and uh we will answer and if it's okay with you uh say yes please use it in an episode of ask it basket on two sober chicks so good thanks julie thanks for joining me today all the way from nashville tennessee i'm in toronto canada and uh wherever you are listening around the world we're so glad you're here with us in recovery i'm lisa
1: i'm julie and this has been two sober chicks peace